0: Good morning. It is so good to see you. I hope you're excited to be here. I'm going to invite you to take your seats as we dive into our series, continue our series. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We love you, Jesus. It, It is truly my privilege to welcome you today, and I'm excited that you made time to worship with us. And I just, I, I, I just want to encourage you and challenge you to lean in, to lean in uh, to the word that, that God has for us today. I, I really wanted to go to another hero that I'm going to cover later on in this series. Um, but I was redirected and feel it, it'd be important for me to cover the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph is one that I have highlighted before. One of my favorite heroes um, is, is Joseph. And we're going to look at his story. We're going to look at a few things because I, I believe that we can look at uh, the story of Joseph in a, through a different lens. Uh, I believe that God can show us something new, something different, something that we've never seen before. Uh, and I want to encourage. It's, it's my job, my task, my assignment this morning. If you could just open my heart and, and see what is in store today, it's solely for the purpose to encourage you in God. Because I'm going to tell you, there's all of us reach a point, all of us have been at a point where we just feel like it's too much, where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel like we can't keep on going. You've been there emotionally mentally, maybe you've been there physically, wherever that may be, I pray that this word finds you. Uh, I'm I'm grateful that he's a God that can say the same thing to all of us, but say something different to each of us. Amen? Amen. So over the last few weeks, we've been visiting several heroes of the faith. Um, We have talked and we have been able to dive into their lives. Our staple verse is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It's in the YouVersion app, and it'll be on the screen that we've been referring to. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And that's one of the objectives of this series is to throw off that weight and to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. And I'm glad it doesn't list anything specifically because it looks different to each of us in this place. That there is just that one thing that can easily trip us up. That one temptation, that one habit. It it so easily entangles us. But let us throw it off, the writer tells us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. This great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews chapter 12 references is truly what we find in Hebrews chapter 11, where we see the hallmark of faith, where we see different people that made it to the other side. And the Bible tells us that they are cheering us on. They're a great cloud of witnesses, and they challenge us today to keep running the race, keep running the race. And one thing that this series does is it highlights the power of one. Because sometimes we feel like our lives are insignificant. Sometimes we feel like we cannot make a difference. Sometimes we feel like we are overlooked. You may feel that way today, but can I tell you that your life has significance. You're not an accident that God created you on purpose and on time. You were created for such a time as this. The power of one to influence, the power of one to challenge, the power of one to make a difference, because we are making a difference, whether a positive one or a negative one. Just looking at our sphere of influence. You matter, and your life matters. You can make a difference, and you can leave a lasting impact on this world. And I don't know about you, but I want to leave this world better than what I found it. Joseph's story takes up about half of Genesis. He's a very notable character that just stands out to me in many ways, and he may stand out to you. He's the 11th-born son of the man named Jacob, and Jacob is Abraham's grandson. We understand that in the story that Joseph has preferential treatment. We understand that he has a close-knit relationship with his father, and we understand that this made his brothers very upset. And you can say rightfully so, Jacob makes his son a, a coat of many colors. It, I, I can imagine it was so colorful that you couldn't even list them That's why he just said many. It just when you just give up and you just say, oh, there's a lot did the, But he did nothing for his other brothers. is this so there's massive si, uh, sibling rivalry that's taking place, and, and then to make it Even more interesting, Joseph has a dream. He has a dream, and the unfortunate part of Joseph's story is that he had God show him what was going to take place in the future. Because we know that this was from God. And I want to say in parentheses that this is important for us to know because we can't get so caught up in dreams because not every dream is from God. Sometimes we just dream. But this dream is from God. Joseph is shown, and then his life, God, Joseph is shown where God is going to take him, and we find it to be ultimately true. But after he shares his dream, his life takes a turn for nearly almost 23 years 23 years of a roller coaster experience. And my whole purpose in highlighting Joseph today is this. I want to speak to someone in this place. I want to speak to someone that may be watching online today whose life does not look like what God has shared with you. I want to speak to someone today that you find yourself at the end of your rope. Maybe you're there spiritually. Maybe you're there emotionally, mentally, or maybe relationally. You're tired. You're frustrated. Life hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to turn out. Life hasn't turned out the way you thought it would, the way you thought God had planned it for your moment, for your time, the way maybe you had planned it, and you're ready to throw the towel in. You're ready to check out. You're ready to just give up and say, what is the point of keeping Of moving forward. Joseph's life challenges us to not give up on our dreams, but more importantly, to know that God is always in control. And I want to challenge you today and I want to remind you today that that you feel overwhelmed by life, you feel overwhelmed by life circumstances, but can I remind you that even though your life may not seem like what God had shown you or what you had planned for yourself, can I t- can I remind you that he holds a, your life in his hands? He holds the whole world in his hands and he holds your burden, he holds your frustration, he holds your concern. Joseph's life challenges us to be able to go, to move forward, and to keep pressing forward, and to not give up, that to know that we've had days where we've wanted to give up, and, and all of us have had days like that, that life's usual pressure just keeps on mounting and mounting and mounting, and it just wears on you, and it's just tiring, and it's just frustrating. And you ask yourself, where do I go from here? But can I tell you today that when life isn't turning out the way you planned, don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Genesis chapter 37 tells us Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. They hated him all the more. Did we catch that this morning? They already hated him. They already despised him. But when he shared that with them, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it now admittedly so joseph shouldn't have shared his dream because you can imagine the the sentiment you can imagine the emotion that was taking place you know joseph probably said how, how do y'all like that dream brothers huh you like that one and his brothers did not say, man, that, Joseph, that is such a wonderful dream. I can't look for, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where I have to, to bow down before you. <laughs> his brothers didn't say, wow, that dream just blessed my heart. It just blessed my life. Nope. Verse 19 says, here comes the dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. We'll see what actually comes of his dreams. Actually gets a dream from God. And yes, we've admitted that he probably shouldn't have communicated it in the way that he did. And after receiving this actual plan from God, his life goes in the opposite direction for almost 23 years. And a lot of us get to the place, a lot of us in this place get to the place where we say, how long? Have you ever asked yourself the question, how long do I have to live like this? How long do I have to keep putting up with this? How long do I have to keep moving in this direction that seems totally opposite of what God has called me to do? How long? How long do I have to go through this, God? How long do I have to survive to just make it through? Can I tell you, don't give up on your dreams. And I want to highlight four important things. Are you following me this morning? Four important things, four important things that stand out to us that when life seems too much and you want to give up and you want to throw in the towel, don't give up on your dreams. And the first one is this, that even if you didn't start off well, even if you didn't start off well, I love the saying, it doesn't matter how you start, it matters how you finish. It matters how you finish. And this is encouraging for me, and it should be encouraging for you because there's some points in our lives that, that we regret. And there's some there's some parts of the story that we'd love to leave out. But they're, they're parts of our story. And we say, man, if I could go back in hindsight. Yeah, we say hindsight is twenty twenty, I, I would do it a little bit different. But even if you didn't start off well, can I tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Joseph's dream at 17 immediately goes off the rails. And I'm sure there was a whole lot of questions. I'm sure there was a whole lot of questions. But he kept moving forward. And he didn't give up. For all of us in this place, it may look different. It may sound different. It may feel different. Because we all started somewhere. We all started somewhere. And maybe our story is not the greatest. And maybe we have some things in our lives that we wish we could overlook. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy and and we call him the accuser. One of his many names is the accuser because he simply stands and accuses us and tries to whisper things in our ears and tries to remind us of who we were, of who we once were, and what we once did. And he's just simply trying to bring you down. So if If you're going through a patch in life where where you're just hearing a bunch of negativity, it's important that we identify and we know that he just wants to bring you down. That's that's his total objective, just to try to keep you from going on, to try to keep you from pressing forward. And he reminds us of our yesterday, and it's just like glancing over the rearview mirror. And you're just constantly looking back, and just constantly looking back, and and can't seem to shake some things, and can't seem to just be able to to move forward into who God has called you to be that, that God has forgiven you, but you haven't forgiven yourself. Trying to derail you of your destiny, the accuser. The Apostle Paul had a horrible resume. He gave the orders of the execution for the early church. When Stephen is stoned, it, Paul was the one that gave this order. This bad dude who is just uh, this, horrible, this horrible picture of, of, of evil. God appears to him, as, as we heard last week. God gets converted and turns into this great apostle, this church planner, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. And I'm so glad to highlight this, that the Bible is full of people with bad resumes, Bad past, horrible mistakes, not just things that happened, no poor choices that said, you know what, I know what God told me, but I'm gonna try to work things my my way myself. Yeah. Is there anybody with me today? Yeah. Could it be that when we look at these stories, when I look at the life of Abraham, when I look at, at the life of Isaac, when I look at the life of Jacob, when I look at the life of Moses, who was a murderer, and Paul, who uh, who was Saul of Tarsus, when I look at these people that had this horrible past, could it be that God is trying to nudge me and trying to nudge us and say that he wants to use us regardless of our past? That our past is not enough to stop him. That our past is not enough to hold him back. That we may have done some things that we regret, but if I confess my sins to him, he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive me of my sins. And that I can start over again. I've come to tell someone in this place today that you may have done some things that you haven't been able to shake off. That God has erased Could it be that God is trying to nudge us, not because of our past, but in spite of it? Look what Paul said to Timothy. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Remember his life before that. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. He's saying, God changed my life. God changed my life. He changed my destiny. And just because it didn't start off the way he wanted it to, maybe, and maybe just because life hasn't been the way you've planned it to, doesn't mean that you cannot move forward. The second thing is this, even if those closest to you don't support you. Joseph's brothers despised him, the Bible says even more. There was already the disconnection. There was already this this separation because of the close relationship that he had with his father. And the dream wasn't wasn't what caused it. It obviously aggravated the situation. It was the dream that pushed it off the edge. But for years, Joseph had to battle loneliness. And he had to battle isolation. The people that should have had my back. The people that should have been there to support me. And the people that should have been there to cheer me on. Those people are nowhere to be found. Those people are nowhere to be found. And the truth is that some of us in this place have been there. We may be there right now exhausted. An exhaustion that comes from rejection. Rejected on the right side and on the left side. And it can drain you. Because maybe you grew up with nobody ever believing in you. And nobody ever building you up. And nobody ever speaking life into you. And you have a guard up. You have a guard up. You have these walls built so that you don't let people in because of what has taken place in the past. You've been scarred and you're, you're dealing with rejection issues. You're dealing with the past that seems to, seems to just still have a hold on you. Can I tell you that Joseph's been there? That Joseph has been there. We've been there. Your neighbors around, uh, a lot of us in this place, have been there. But even Jesus... Even Jesus, our Savior, had this dilemma. His own family. Yes, his ministry was like no other. There is nobody like him, but yet he was still rejected. He was still despised. Look what Mark chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 tell us. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. Just in that town, Jesus himself said that he could not perform many miracles because of the unbelief that was in that place. The unbelief that was in that place. People around will, will, will be all with us. The same people that will yell Hosanna one day will yell crucify him the next. It's important for us to not put our trust and our confidence in people, but our confidence in God. So maybe you didn't start off well. Maybe those around you, closest to you, haven't supported you. You can still make it. You can still make it. The third thing is, even if your journey is full of surprises. Can I tell you, don't give up even if your journey is full of surprises. There's some things that we cannot control. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust in like manner. There's some things that we can't control. It's just life. And everybody in this place knows that. When you're going somewhere, when there is a journey, it never goes from point A to point B without any transition. It never goes in a straight line. But there's usually some zigs and there's usually some zags and there's usually some detours. And there's usually some times in life where where you're headed in the opposite direction, and it's frustrating because you see people around you that are progressing and advancing, but yet you feel like you're going in the opposite way, Joseph would tell us, I've been there. I've been there. I know what it's like. So let's just do a quick recap on, on Joseph's life, some things that we've covered, some things that, that are to come in his life. He's misunderstood. He's misunderstood by his brothers. He's misunderstood by those around him, by those closest to him. He should have been supported. He should have been loved, but he was misunderstood. He's sold into slavery to Potiphar. He's living in a strange country, far from home. He's, but yet, even in that time, he's given favor in Potiphar's house. God, God finds him there and, and just gives him favor. Then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, who sees Joseph and he's attractive and, and, and wants to have sexual relations with him. And, and he, he flees. He flees from it. And he does the right thing, but yet he's falsely accused. And he's thrown into prison. But yet, even there, look at this, he's put in charge of all the prisoners. So doesn't this just seem like some ups and downs? Uh, doesn't th- This may be like what, what your life feels like from time to time. He's put in charge of all the prisoners, so it seems to have some up moments. But then he's forgotten by the chief cupbearer when he interprets the dreams uh, in, in the prison cells. And he remains in prison for two years longer. He stays there for two years longer. And then he, then the, the chief cupbearer, after Pharaoh has a dream, the chief cupbearer remembers and says, hey, there was this guy who, who interpreted my dream, and, and it happened just as he said. Then he's pulled out. Then he becomes second in command in Egypt. But I think we all could agree that there was some give-up moments in life that, that happened to Joseph. There was some times where he, he could have easily... Given up, and nobody would have blamed him having gone through everything he had to go through. But there was also some go on moments. There was some give up moments. There was some go on moments. And I want to tell you that our lives will look the same. Our lives will look the same. So the question then becomes, what do we do in the give up moments? What do we do? Because it's easy in the go on moments. It's easy when everything is going just the way we thought it would. When everything is going the way we planned. But what happens when all the odds are stacked against you? What happens in those give up moments? I want to encourage you that don't give up. That even in the darkest moments, God can find you right there. That God can give you favor right there. That God can make a way where there is no way. That He can open doors that no one can open. That He can close doors that no one can close. I want to remind you today of what Paul told the church, the Roman church. He said, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and those who have been called according to His purpose. You've been called according to His purpose. So I want to challenge you today that we. We don't just rejoice in the good times, uh, but we understand that in the negative and in the bad and in my heartache and in my defeat and in my disappointment, that I know that God is going to take that moment also and he's going to work something out for good. I don't know what it looks like, but the righteous shall live by faith and not by sight. I have to trust in the God that holds everything. I have to trust in him. We know in all things. It doesn't matter in the pit or in the palace. All things work together for good. In health and in sickness, all things work together for good. But that's that's the life that I have to live and that I want to challenge you and encourage you to keep your eye on the prize That in the give up moments that God's there. We don't need motivation in the go on moments, but we need motivation for the give up moments. And I pray for everyone in this place today that is at a give up intersection, that I could challenge you, that in the pit or the palace, he can work it out for your good. The last thing that I wanna share. Don't give up even if it takes a long time to realize it. I shared with you earlier about drive-throughs microwaves, we need immediacy. We want things to be done our way, quickly. 23 years is a long time. 23 years is a long time to be able to finally arrive to where God has it. Two years in prison is a long time. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh put him in charge of everything. But before that, Before it gets to this point, this highlight moment in life where you say, you know what, where you finally say, you know what, things are finally looking up and things are going good. What do you do when you're caught in the middle? Because the truth is that some of us in this place are caught in the middle. At the brink, at the cusp of God wanting to do something great in our lives, but hearing the voice of wanting to give up on one side. What do we do when we're caught in the middle? Let's look at Joseph's life. In between of who you were and who he called you to be. Somewhere in between. Look what Habakkuk says. These things I plan won't happen right away. This is God speaking, and he says, slowly, steadily, surely. Three S's you don't like to hear. We don't like to hear. Slowly, steadily, and surely. But the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Can I remind you that his timing is perfect? Perfect. That his timing is perfect, and just because you're looking at your watch and it seems overdue does does not mean that he has forgotten about you. He knows. But he's working on us. In, In the times of trying of our patience, he's working on us. Why? Because God cares more about our character than he does our comfort. God cares more about our character than he does about our comfort. Are we going to trust him? So as I draw to a close, what does Joseph's life teach us? What does Joseph's life teach us? The first thing that I would want to say is you focus on what happens in you, not to you. Focus on what happens in you, not to you. How are you looking at it? How are you looking at what you are going through right now? Is God? Are you looking at it as just a negative experience? Or are you saying, you know what? God is refining me. You know that that term where it says that where He refines it, and we go and and when when. Uh, Jeremiah says, I went to the potter's house, and, and he he was able to see that. Uh, and then uh, he was able to see that they're, they're being worked, that they're, that the vessel there, the vase is being worked on. But when you look at Job's life, and when you see Job, and he says, when I come out of this, I will come out as pure gold. When, when gold is processed and it's taken through the fire, what takes place in the fire is that the impurities begin to rise. And then you're able to get rid of the impurities, and all you have left is pure gold. But it happened. In conflict. Can I tell you that when muscles begin to grow, it's because there is weight on them. There is resistance. It is through resistance that you are able to gain strength. Can I tell you, it was good for me that I was afflicted because if I was never afflicted, I would not know the power of God. I had to go through what I went through to know God the way I know him today. It was not just by happenstance. It was not by accident, but God put me in that situation so I could know him in in a different way. If I would have never been sick, I would never know him as a healer. If I never lacked money, I would never know him as a provider. If I was never lonely, I wouldn't know him as a company keeper. But it took that moment in my life for him to show me who he truly is. James put it this way. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that it is testing of your faith that develops the perseverance. You remember that word perseverance? It's in Hebrews chapter 12 that we would run the race with perseverance so I have to not just thank God for the good times but I gotta thank him for the bad times I gotta thank him for the trials and I have to thank him for the test because I have to consider it pure joy because he trusts me enough to take me through that that when I come out on the other side it's not a matter if if I do it is when I come out on the other side, I will come out as pure gold. I have to understand the word that is derived from their pure joy. I have to know what Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is my strength. I have to know that his joy is made perfect. That I have to understand that I have to get a hold of it. Pure joy. It's perspective. It's perspective. Because it's so easy to say, consider it pure sadness when you face trials of many kinds. Anyone can do that. But consider it pure joy. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, it's about perspective. So focus what happens in you and not on you. Not to you, should I say. Your response, and then the next thing, is that your response to offense determines your future. We will all be offended in life and we will all go through through moments where we will want to hold on to offense. You know those times where you know that it's, it's the right thing to do is to forgive, but you say, let me just be mad just a little bit longer. You hold on to it. You know the right thing to do is to say, I'm sorry. You know the right thing to do is to just ask for forgiveness. You know the right thing to do is to just to get your heart right. But we choose to hold on to it. Your response to offense determines your future. Because can I tell you, resentment will destroy your dreams. Resentment will derail your future. When Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, don't kill us. You can imagine the fear. That is the natural response when they understand that this boy or this man now who they thought they had done away with, eliminated with, is is still here. This is his response. One of my favorite scriptures. Genesis 50 and 20 you intended to harm me but God intended it for good are there people out in this life that intend to harm us absolutely are some things that you've been through were they with the intent to harm you absolutely but God can make it good God can make it good but resentment wants to destroy your journey, and wants, because he could have easily responded in a different way. He could have easily reacted in a different way, but he did not let resentment alter who God had called him to be. Resentment wants to destroy your journey, my journey, but can I tell you, let's not let it? Let's not let it. That there is offense maybe that we have held in our hearts. And there's resentment and bitterness that we have let find roots in our heart. That we have to say, God, uh, I need you to take this out of me. Because it is taking up a space. It's taking up a space that needs to be filled with your presence. I'm holding on to, to bitterness when there could be joy there. And I'm holding on to hurt when there could be freedom there. I'm holding on to these things it's not good for me it's not good for me i wake up every morning but it still hurts on the inside and until i say god i bring it to your feet until i say i i leave it at the foot of the cross and the last thing is this that every dream has tough times but remember god is always with you remember that god is always with you Remember that God is always with you and that his presence changes everything. One of my favorite stories in Matthew 14, the Bible tells us that there's a storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, the Bible tells us that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Imagine the waters falling and the boat is Is moving from side to side, and and there's all this kind of turmoil. Maybe that sounds like your life this morning. And you've prayed, and you said, God, can you come to my rescue? And he hasn't come. He didn't come the first watch of the night. He didn't come the second watch. He didn't come the third. No, he came on the fourth watch, somewhere between 3 and 4 a.m. And... It was the darkest time of the storm. And here comes Jesus. He didn't come like I told you immediately. He didn't come when when the situation first is is new. No, no, there's some time that that goes on and here comes Jesus. Can I tell you that he shines in the darkness? Can I tell you that, that his presence is more evident at my lowest point can I tell you that when when it feels like all hell is breaking loose and when it feels like the waters are caving in and when it feels like man I'm just not gonna make it here comes Jesus and can I tell you that you may feel like that today but he hasn't forgotten about you he sees you right where you're at he sees your heart He sees your hurt. He sees your worry. He sees your frustration. He sees you. And he starts walking to them. And here you have this incredible picture of a chaotic scene. And here you have this picture of of nothing going right. And here comes Jesus. And he says, Be of good courage. It is me. Be of good courage. You know, what, you know what captures my mind so much about this is that nothing in the environment changed. The only thing that changed is that Jesus walked in. Everything was still chaotic, but Jesus was there. And he said, the fact that I'm here ought to bring encouragement to your heart and ought to lift up your spirit and let you know, can I tell you, he's walking towards you today and he sees you in the middle. He says, I'm here. I'm here. Peter says, if it's you, can I come to you? One word, he says, come. One word from God can halter and change your circumstance as you know it today. One word from God, my words can't do anything, but one word from him can change what you're facing today. One word from him. He says, come, Peter starts walking on the water. You've, you've heard the story, but if you haven't, I want to just share with you quickly. He walks He keeps his eyes on Jesus. As as long as he has his eyes on Jesus, nothing happens to Peter. But the moment that he takes his eyes away from him, a great picture of us, as long as we have our eyes on him, we can walk through anything. But when we start looking at the problem on the on this side, and when we start looking at the, the failed relationship on this side, and when we start looking at the rebellious child on this side, and when I start looking at the unknown prognosis uh, that the doctor wants to see me in a week, uh, and, and when I start looking here, I begin to sink. Peter began to sink when he started looking at his surroundings. Uh, but I, but he, he's a good God. He's a gracious God that even though he took his eyes, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, Jesus extends his hand, lifts him up, and the Bible tells us that they walked together back to the boat. But you know what? God help me. Here's Jesus. And here's Peter. Walking together. Rain's still coming down. The waves are still crashing. The wind is still blowing, but Peter will not go down because he has someone on his side. And can I tell you that you may feel like you're going under, but Jesus is here. You can call on him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous will run to him and they are saved. You can call to him in your grief. You can call to him in your disappointment. You can call to him today and he can, you you just extend your hand and he is right there. He's right there. God is always with you. He's with you. Psalms 139 says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. You are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. What does this mean? It doesn't matter where you find yourself. I know where you are physically, but it doesn't matter where you find yourself emotionally. It doesn't matter where you find yourself mentally. It doesn't matter where you find yourself spiritually. There is nowhere that you can escape from him. He is there. Up in the heavens, he is there. Down in the depths, he is there. If you go to the right side, if you go to the left side, he is there. I'm going to share just a few more verses with you, and I, I promise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up. But I, I didn't include these because I didn't want you to have to look at them. I don't want you to capture it. I want, I want them to get into your heart. For someone in this place that feels alone, for someone that feels like, man, it's just been rough. He sees you, and he's with you. I want to invite you to close your eyes right where you're at. Psalms 46, one says that God is our refuge and strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Psalms 46 reminds us that he is a quick help in the time of need. He's your refuge and he's your strength. Isaiah 43 says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy one of Israel, your savior. You're walking through the waters today. He's with you. If you're, you're going through the fire today, the flames will not set you ablaze. He is with you. Jeremiah 1.8 says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 1.19 says, they will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you, and I will rescue you declares the Lord. And then Jesus' words in Matthew 28 and 20, I am surely with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today that you're with us. We thank you that your right hand will sustain us and hold us and keep us. I thank you today, God, that while life may be challenging and while there may be turmoil that happens on all sides, I thank you that you are faithful and you never leave me. You never leave us, you never forsake us. God, I pray encouragement over someone's heart and over someone's spirit today. I pray for a refreshing wave of your spirit over someone's life today. I pray right now that health would be restored not only to physical bodies, but to minds and to hearts. I declare that health would be restored to relationships that have been weathered in the storm. I pray right now for health over finances that have been in ruins. I pray right now, God, that your strength would come to pick pick somebody up, lift them up, shake them off, and let them run this race with perseverance. God, that we would not give up, that we would keep our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you that you will complete what you've started. And we know that we're not here by accident. We're not here because someone just invited us, but we had a divine appointment to be with you and to be in your presence. And I thank you that you have come today to remind us that we can finish the race with you. I thank you that You've come to remind someone that there is no burden too heavy, that there is no weight too large for you today, but that you can take it and you can make it good, that you can take the the heaviness and give a garment of praise, that you can take the frustration and give peace, that you can take the anger and give joy and joy unspeakable. I thank you today, God, for the uneven exchanges that, you, that you're that you willing to make, that you can take my mess and give me something great in return, that you can take my uneasiness and give me peace. I thank you today. I thank you today in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe you're in this place and you've never made a first time decision to serve Jesus and to give him your heart, to let him be your savior and to have him as Lord of your life. I want to tell you that that's the first step for you today. You're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt and you're trying to just keep it bottled up on your own. You're trying to Navigate through it without any strength. Can I tell you that Jesus died for you? And you may say, But you don't know what I did last night. No, I don't, but He does. And He still loves you. And He still died for for the sin in your life. And if you today make that decision and say, Jesus, I need you, I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. I need you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you want to make that decision today, I want to invite you to lift your hand, just as a sign of surrender. We want to pray with you right where you're at, but God sees you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you. Here at Impact City Church, we believe in community and we don't believe that anyone should do life alone. So I want to invite everyone at the sound of my voice to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me, for taking my place, for carrying my shame, for carrying my guilt. I surrender to you Come into my life, be the Lord of my life, let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Could we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? Come on and stand to your feet. Come on and stand to your feet. If you made that decision today, I want to invite you to stop at our next steps counter. And we wanna be able to guide you through your next steps. As we close our service today and as we enter a moment of worship, we want to make ourselves available for you, to you, to let you know that we're here to pray for you, to pray alongside you, to believe God for whatever you are facing, to believe God for your miracle, for your healing for your restoration. Whatever that looks like for you, whether it be something small or whether it be something significantly large, we want you to know that there is nothing impossible for God. There is nothing that is too difficult for Him. He can work through anything. I just ask you and I just challenge you to believe today that you would open your mind and your heart and just say, God, I trust you and I have faith for what I don't understand right now. And as our prayer partners come up, I want us to enter a moment of worship, and I want you to take advantage of this opportunity. If you feel God tugging at your heart, if you feel saying, you know what, I I need, I can't go through this by myself. I can't pray for this on my own. I want to challenge you. I urge you. Take advantage of this opportunity. There is power in agreement, and God can do something incredible in your life today. Father, once again, we come before you, and we thank you. We thank you that you are a God that knows it all. We thank you that you know every circumstance, that you know every challenge, that you know everything that keeps us up at night, and you invite us to cast our cares on you, because you care for us. You invite us to come to you, all who are heavy burdened, and that you will give us rest. There's someone in this place today, God, that has not known rest. And I thank you that you're reminding us today that through your word, you invite us to step in and take advantage of what you have for us. So right now, God, I pray that you would work in every heart and every mind in every life that you would work in every family, that you would work, God, and do a great work. Do a work that only you can do, that you, God, would pick up the pieces of our lives and put us back together again. We trust you. We believe in you. Our confidence is in you today. In Jesus' name,